Oh my gosh, here we are with episode three, the Lila's podcast. Take one. I know. For those of you who are just turning in, um, we're newbies at this whole thing. And we're so thrilled that you're kind of coming along on this journey with us. And you're going to hear us say take one, maybe take four. But we're getting rolling and we're getting good at it. At least we think we are. Each week gets easier. That's for sure. It's hard. It's hard to open yourself up and try something new. But we're getting the hang of it. We are. And we're so appreciative again for everybody that's kind of tuning in. And again, the Lila's podcast, um, if you know what the Lila's means, then this podcast is for you. And so we are basically two moms, two psychologists, two besties from middle school. And we are finding ourselves in this like interesting flux of transitions and really looking to each other for guidance or at least support or validation that we're both kind of in this place and feeling like everybody else might be too. Yeah, or at least some people can relate, but certainly midlife mamas like ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, this is our sort of weekly therapy session with our bestie. So mm-hmm. hopefully everyone else feels that way after listening each week. Yes, fun stuff, fun stuff. It's the good, the fun, and the yucks. That's right. right. And we talked a little bit about my yucks last week. We kind of got into it a little bit when I started having panic attacks back in 2020. Kind of gave a, a the recap of what happened there when I lost my mom balance. We, we keep laughing like there is any such thing, but um, but yeah, this week we're gonna hear a little bit more from Sarah about wow. her balance. She's got more balls in the air than anybody else I know, <sighs> and has so much to offer in terms of how she manages it all because she does it so beautifully. And I'm just in awe. I'm always like, how how do you find the time in the day? But she does. She <laughs> keeps it all. She is a well-oiled machine. She's going at all times. So um, I'm excited to hear you share sort of, you know, what you find difficult because everything looks so easy. Oh, God bless your heart. It's all fake. It's all an act. (laughs) I'm an illusionist. I'm not just a psychologist. It's all an illusion, right? Right. (laughs) I guess. I mean, I don't know. I just, yeah. Well, the mom balance thing is something that I, I don't. I guess it's a new thing to even conceptualize for myself and to kind of see it as being um, a place almost, you know, that we're kind of transitioning like through and towards. And as we mentioned in the last podcast, I kind of feel like balance is not standing still or walking gracefully along a beam. Balance is much more like a teeter-totter where we're experiencing these ups and downs and these fluctuations and a lot of uncertainty comes with almost every step. But, you know, it's about just kind of, continue to take those steps, I guess, with some level of confidence or at least faked confidence until you get there, right? <laughs> Take it till you make it. <laughs> right. Well, okay. Um, geez. My start with mom balance, I guess, is a, a forever work in progress. And I think that the beginning of this really kind of started um, almost with a disclosure that even though, like Jid says, I kind of do a, a lot of things. Um, Medically, I'm a train wreck. And <laughs> you may not. It's one of those kind of interesting positions to be in. No, I'm a total train wreck. Um, and all my doctors know it. My husband knows it. My kids know it. Everybody knows it. But it's not one thing that you could kind of see by looking at me or by hearing some mm-hmm. of the things that I kind of do. But um, 
medically, yeah, pretty unstable. Um, so for starters, and I guess this is kind of the beginning of what has influenced so much of my life, so many of my decisions, um, actions and what I've chosen to take part in. And even the speed at which I go at things is whenever, um, I was a kid, I had asthma, but it was somewhat manageable. Um, but throughout high school, I don't even know if you remember this or not. I would go through like these periods of episodes where I would like pass out and then, you know, I'd be at practice or something, or we'd be hanging out and I just wouldn't feel really good. And everybody would give me like, I don't know, orange juice or a Coke or something like that. (laughs) No one ever thought about taking me to the doctor to see if, I don't know, I was a type one diabetic or anything. Um, but the progress of that disease kind of dictates that pattern in which we go through these like honeymoon periods. And it wasn't until, um, I was actually pregnant with my son. And so early start to everything. I'm always getting a jump start on life, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my first marriage was whenever I was 18. And um, I had some difficulties with infertility, had endometriosis. And throughout my undergrad, um, I would have surgeries. I had three laparoscopic procedures um, to kind of help to correct some of the infertility problems that were discovered. And I would have those procedures basically on like spring break when everybody else was going to the beach. Nope. I was in the hospital recovering or at uh, Thanksgiving break because I was out of class. I was able to kind of get them scheduled at those points of time. And then, you know, finally um, got pregnant with uh, Cameron and, you know, his entire pregnancy Um, I will spare everyone the details just in case they're looking forward to getting pregnant or might be pregnant or have a dream of getting pregnant one day because it is, it was horrific. It was absolutely nine months. That was probably the most difficult nine months of my entire life where I nearly died almost every single day while I was finishing my undergrad. So I finished my undergrad in three and a half years. And part of that was just because medically I was so sick. Um, And so I just had to keep going. So there wasn't an option to stop. There really wasn't an option to slow down. It was just go. Um, And whenever I think I live my life with that mentality, it doesn't allow me to worry about things because it just is a continued push. And, Mm -hmm. and so Cameron was born and he, that was the easy part, 20 minutes done. So I'll talk about delivery anytime anybody wants to, and you know, the joys of being a gymnast for years and all that kind of fun stuff that makes that process tons easier. Um, but after he was born, I started losing weight and I thought it was because I was nursing. And I mean, I nursed like a cow. So in my mind, I was like, well, okay, this is kind of cool. Um, but I didn't realize that whenever I had him, I was also malnourished and tiny. So I'm technically bigger now than what I was nine months pregnant with Cameron. And so for me to even start losing weight after the pregnancy, um, was kind of alarming, but again, not outside of the norm for what I was going through. So he was born in February and over that next six months, I started losing four to five, six pounds, um, a week and finally got down to like 102 or 103 pounds. I was wearing a size 12 in little girls. So all of you guys that have size, you know, girls size 12, Um, that's about what size I was wearing at that point. And my hair was falling out in clumps, like massive clumps. And I thought that I didn't feel bad. First off, I felt fine. Um, 
but I was always thirsty and um, just noticed all these outward physical changes within my life. And so I went to the doctor fully expecting to get a diagnosis of cancer. And instead, I got a call from the lab that night saying that my, um, nope, you don't have cancer. So immediately relief. And they said, it turns out you're a type one diabetic. Your A1C is a 14.2 and you're about ready to die. But I still felt relief. And so I don't even know where that kind of comes from. Um, because type one diabetes is a, it's an autoimmune condition. It's not curable. Um, it requires math. So I feel like that this is like, you know, again, God kind of like sending me a message. Hey, chick, you sucked at math, but guess what? Your whole life's going to depend on it. So better get good at it now. Um, so that was a nice little fun play on life, but it does require constant mindfulness. It requires constant attention. And so I feel like this disease was an odd gift that was given to me. Um, and it was given to me at a time in which my son was born. And so there was never a moment since his life that he did not know me as being a diabetic. And there was never a time in which my status as being a diabetic did not influence my rearing with him, my relationship with him and what I did. And so I'm saying all that just to kind of briefly kind of conceptualize whenever he was born, it was education. It was career it was, let's stay on a schedule. Let's, you know, do all kinds of fun things. And it wasn't hard back then. Um, but I was 10 years younger. Cameron is getting ready to turn 19 in about two weeks or so. Um, my family was different back then. We had grandparents around 24-7. And all of them were very excited because he was like the first grandkid, the only grandkid, the boy, whatever. And, you know, tons of support. And he was involved in a lot of activities. He went to a elementary school that had aftercare programming. So it was easy for me to kind of work and then for one of the grandparents to pick him up and take him to practice. And so I was able to, you know, finish a doctoral degree. I was able to, you know, get into my career during this time, knowing that I had all of this additional support to help out with him. And I knew at that point that I was only going to be given one child. That's what I thought. I got this one great gift and this is it. And so we're going to make this package here the best package that we can. And it was through, I think, honestly, having as much support as what we did. And so okay. I didn't, I didn't feel the struggles, even though I was a young mom, I'm, I will honor the fact. And I love the fact that I had him whenever I did. And this is probably a terribly vain reason, but he said, he hears me say it all the time. I'm still the youngest mom in his mom's friend group. That'll always be my badge I get to carry with honor. <laughs> Your claim to fame. Youngest. Youngest. Youngest out of the 19-year-old moms. Right. Right. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But so that whole area of life that I think that people are like, you know, discovering themselves, getting married, finding out all these different relationships and stuff. No, I was 100% invested in mom, career, and, and um, really finding out who I am now living with this condition 24 seven. Sure. And, you know, I always saw it as kind of like being something that I needed to role model, something that I needed to kind of take care of. And I didn't know why. And um, every time I talk about this still, and I'm not at all worried about it. Um, I think it just reminds any time that I get worried 
about, um, which doesn't happen very often, about if I'm being a good mom or if I've done right by him. And those of you who have listened to some of our other episodes, um, you know, know that there's been some changes within our life, divorces and so forth that make you question if you did the right thing for your child. Sure. But um, I spent time away from him at different points because I was training for races. I was um, doing a lot of things just to show myself that I could without knowing eventually um, that I was also showing him that he could. So uh, Cameron was at my dad's, again, a wonderful support system of grandparents. And I picked him up from there and he, we were driving back um, to the house I lived in at the time. And he looked at me, he's very astute, but he's very insightful. And he was like 11. Um, still, still the adult, still the adult. Um, <laughs> he looked at me and he said, mom, my body doesn't feel like it's my own. And uh, will you test my blood sugar whenever I got home? And so I was like, yeah, absolutely. We'll go ahead and do it. So we got to the house and I tested his blood sugar and it was uh, 246. So immediately I knew. And, you know, I think, and it's, we'll talk about this in future episodes. For me, I wasn't afraid whenever I saw that. For me, I wasn't worried. For me, I wasn't sad. Um, I was honestly, my initial thought was, we got this. Like, this is right. fantastic. Like, all right, cool. We can do this. I've got a friend. That's right. Right. <laughs> right. We're way. buddies. That's right. Yeah. Um, but rightfully, um, whenever you're the other parent and you have this confront you, it's scary, it's shocking, and you don't want to believe it. And so, you know, his his biological dad at the time, um, because he's biological dad all the time, but basically, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, funny stuff. Um, but basically he said, well, I don't know about this. It might just be whatever reason. And so he, I was like, okay. So I texted one of my friends who's also a doc. And I was like, Hey, we're going to bring Cameron by now and care. You know, I think he's a type one diabetic. Let's get ready to test him. I worked with a pediatric endocrinologist. And so I had all these connections. Everything was fine. And so we took him out to eat at a Mexican restaurant. And I was like, get whatever you want, kid. Enjoy yourself knowing full-blown what would happen. So he ate like a pig because it's a Mexican restaurant, his favorite food, got all the goods. And we took him to the doctor and um, they tested his blood sugar with one of their meters and it wouldn't read. And I knew right then that he was over 400 um, because our clinic meters didn't read that high. And they said, ask for mine. And I gave it to him. And, um, I think he was like 420 or something. They're like, all right, you got to get him to the hospital. It's time to go, whatever. So I was like, okay, still I'm okay. But Cameron at this point is crying and he's rightfully scared and upset. And, you know, it's just kind of like, it hits him that now he's different because he's seen me be different, but now it's him. And so it's mm -hmm. a different thing. And we were driving in the car. He was in the passenger seat. And um, we had just gotten on the exit and we were heading towards the hospital. And he's crying. And I'm trying to be real soothing at this point and like real, you know, like nice. <laughs> Motherly. Right. There were, that lasted for about 30 seconds. Because at one point, um, 
he was saying that he would never be able to golf again. He wasn't going to have the same kind of activities. He wouldn't be able to hang out with his friends the same way. And I literally, without even obviously thinking, um, slammed on the brakes of the car, nearly locked it up because I'm driving to the hospital. He looks at me and says, I'm never going to be able to do this stuff again. To the point where the car actually swerved off the road over to the shoulder. Thank God there was nobody else over there. And I just looked at him and I said, what did you say to me? And he got real quiet. And uh, he looked down at the floor. And he said, oh, yeah, you're one, too. And I said, yes. And I merged back onto the interstate to kind of get going. And he was real quiet again. And unbeknownst to me, Cameron was always um, at the end of those races. Like whenever I would run 41 miles in the woods all by myself or whenever I would do these ultras or triathlons or whatever it was I was doing at the time, karate tournaments, he was always there to watch or to, you know, kind of be a part of it because it's a fun, unique kind of atmosphere. And he saw me finish them. And he went through this whole list of everything that he had seen me do. And I was like, yeah, I'm still just like, okay, let's, you know, we're going to the hospital. And then he stopped again and he was real quiet. And he looked up at me and he said, so I'm going to be okay. And I said, yes. And he's never cried about it since. He's never um, doubted himself or his abilities. And he's always faced everything with, um, I don't even know that it's courage because that would require him to somewhat be fearful of it, but he's just always had a sense of confidence. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it, and it was in that moment that I was like, well, holy hell, all of this stuff that other people thought that I was doing to like, you know, be selfish or I wasn't, I'm not the mom that's going to sit there and watch you practice at a game. Obviously, I've never been that person. <laughs> I will run, you know what I mean? Or I'll be doing some yoga on the side or I'll be like, I'll be doing something else, but I'm you not going to watch can't you. just sit still. That's no. the problem. No, I'm not going to watch you throw a damn ball. Okay. I mean, his favorite sport's golf and it kills me. Um, <laughs> God bless. Again, these are these tricks that God, like, I think puts on me like, hey, guess what? We're going to keep doing this kind of thing with you. Um, but it was at that point that I felt good. And I felt like everything that I had done, even though it might have been looked at as being, you know, I was taking time away. I wasn't as invested. I knew that it was with a purpose. I knew that it was with a sense. And I'm saying that because I think us as moms sometimes feel like if, you know, we're not going to the baseball practice or we're you know, not being the homeroom mom because we're busy, you know, working our career or getting our degree, that those things are noticed by our kids too. And that we don't know what gifts we are giving them by also giving ourselves gifts during that time. And I really saw that in him um, and still do to this day um, that he has that about him. And I think it's from us having that connection but where this whole thing started to kind of shift um, for the good, but also as just, you know, and I said this before too, like an ongoing kind of 
challenge in a sense is, you know, with new beginnings come new relationships and new people come into our lives. And um, it's been a juggle with not like round balls, but like square balls, like the balls of change um, with having a new, with having our girl. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one, I'm used to boys, so I could do all the boy stuff. Like this hair, this is as good as it gets. And if you ever see my hair have any curl to it, it's not because I done it. It's because somebody else did. Um, <laughs> it's the truth. So that added dynamic um, is where I felt like my balance started to shift. I had everything kind of figured out. So I thought, and then the game changed. And now that the game has changed, I'm really at a, at a learning curve where I'm trying things differently. And it has made me be very reflective of how we even kind of mentioned and alluding to, I guess, future topics, um, how our parents aging changes us and changes our availability. Um, to access them, to feel like we can. Uh, so even though my parents are still around, um, the support system has shrunk with people passing away, with people moving, um, with there not being an additional set of grandparents there to kind of help out. And so our support system's a, a little bit different. And they're older. And I'm older. Right. You know, I mean, my mom 10 years ago is not the same person as she is now. I mean, she still does all of the things. And, yeah. and very well and with, and in stride. And so does my dad um, and my stepmom whenever she's here. But that 10 years is 10 years, right? you know? And, and 10 years is 10 years on me too. And so my patience back then might've been like this. And now it's like this. Well, and it's just totally different. You're playing a different role too. You know, this is your, your stepdaughter. I know you don't like to use that term, but I mean, she is. Yeah. She has a bi biological mom that she also sees. And so you're, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's just, it's different than it was with you and Cam. You and Cam have always had such a close connection yeah. and he's always kind of been a little bit of a mama's boy. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. now she, you know, she's definitely, or at least appears to be a little bit of a daddy's girl. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's a different dynamic, but you guys have handled it so beautifully. I mean, Cam is like one of the best kids on the planet. Uh, my mom and I always laugh. We're like, Sarah, how? How? Sarah raised this incredible human being. <laughs> She's a total hot mess. Right. Um, right. But he is. He's such a great kid. And I mean, so is she. She's, you know, mm -hmm. eight, right? My, mm -hmm. my birthday twin. But mm -hmm. she is. She's such a cute little girl. I just love being around her. She's so fun. She's got such a great personality. And I can even see how you have like kind of rubbed up, rubbed off on her that sounds weird yeah I mean <laughs> that you have because I see you too like she just she's very um much a performer and you can mm -hmm. see her as well which I love I don't know maybe she was always that way but it just reminds me of you um but they're yeah. both great kids you guys have done such a great job at blending your family and I think that we should do a whole episode on blended oh. family because yeah. I'd like to hear your tips and tricks for that. Oh. I'm sure that others could benefit from. Yeah. I mean, I do think we've done, and thank you for that. I think we've done a nice job blending them, but just, I've noticed that my role as a mom is, is shifting, you know, and it's shifting for me to, um, to have the need to be more available, 
you know, yes. and, and that's hard whatever you work full time. And so that her, you know, coming here, being in school with us full time, um, I recognize that there's a different need. Every child has a different need. You know, this as a school psychologist. And um, I felt like the need was different here than what it was for Cameron, for you Cameron, know? Yeah. Yeah. Like Cameron had all these other people that was able to provide all these wonderful influences, but he always had like a solid base that he could come back to. Yeah. And, and with her, I feel like that our base is, we've got four instead of 20. Right. <laughs> and so I need to make sure that I'm always available as a base um, for her. And that in and of itself is, is a big transition. And, you know, for all moms who are kind of in that position, um, it's tough. It's, mm -hmm. and I don't even know what to do with it. And that's a full honest disclosure is like, I do the best I can that I think I can every day. But I know that, um, you know, there are not necessarily shortcomings, but there are areas that I just need to have greater awareness and mindfulness to. And I can just hopefully hope that the same thing is going to kind of like happen in this situation as it kind of did with him. But if not with me, she says something that was really interesting um, the other day. And it was about, again, the blended kind of family with, with Cameron being a big piece of it is um, she got all A's on her report card. So she's super, super bright. And she was real proud of that. But she said, I got all A's just like Cameron. I'm going to be yeah. just like Cameron. And I'm like, oh God, yes. She's not using me as this kind of thing. She's got him. She does love her big brother. We that may have this after sure. all. Right, right. And so I think, you know, as we kind of move through this podcast, those are some of my just open and honest disclosures with it. Like, it's just, I don't know. I'm I'm finding a different role. As, I'm a different role as a mom to him as I am to her. That comes with age, that comes with situations, that comes with sex, that comes with parenting. Um, yeah. Supports. It comes with all of those different factors. and. I, it, for me, it just takes a lot of like pause and reflection and then just also acknowledging the shits, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh shit. Like, I don't know if I got this. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't come across this with Cam. I'm going to need to consult someone. <laughs> right. Help. <laughs> Help. No, I think you do such a beautiful job, but it is, I mean, every time we talk, you're like, you know, medically, I'm still like a hot mess and it's such uh -huh. a difficult disease because you do have to think all day every day my father-in-law is a type one and I see it with him and you know with you I'm always thinking like they don't there's never a break they can't just like put that shortbread cookie in their mm. mouth like I just did with my <laughs> cup of coffee I mean you have to think about it and like do I need insulin and how much and like everything I mean literally everything that goes in your mouth it's such a different lifestyle yeah and I know you say you don't you don't handle it well but I think you do because the, di the diabetes, I feel like is my friend. Like that's the place I've kind of come to with it is that it's my friend and we have a respectful relationship. So I don't hate it. Um, and I don't wish that I didn't have it. And I don't, and this will say, and people will be like, oh my God, how could you say this? But I don't wish that Cameron didn't have it. And it's not because that makes the two of us can be together. No, I don't give a shit about that. I'm fine being in my own little kayak, you know? Um, I don't need to be in a raft, but I think that it has just, I, I believe that it is a gift. I believe it was something that I was given again, coming kind of back to like a spiritual, almost like grounding point. 
Yeah. And um, I'm thankful for it because I think that it has really changed my perspective on life, on mm-hmm. living. And um, it gets on my nerves at times. And yes, it can be 100% annoying and it's deadly. So there's that. But it's it's something that, again, you don't look at me and know, but it is always like with me. Even whenever we do this podcast, sometimes I'll um, become a phasic. That's not because I'm like having an ADHD moment or, you know what I mean? Just kind of got off right. track. It's because homegirl's blood sugar is messing up. And so we got to right. pivot a little bit, you know, <laughs> to something else. <laughs> so there's that. There's that fun too. Never know right. what you're going to get. No, no. So, but I, I do appreciate it, but it just medically still, it's, it's fun, you know, and it comes with other autoimmune diseases and stuff like that, which I also have. And so that's where like different eating practices or health practices are a piece of things, but I'm okay with it. Yeah. We're Make friends with it. Yes. We're good friends. We acknowledge each other and our presence and, um, we're buddies. But that's such a good outlook to have on any kind of like illness, like to make peace with it, you know, especially yeah, something t- that's lifelong. Yeah, and it takes time. I mean, whatever. It is what it is. I guess it's, I know people hate that saying, like my patients will say, I used to hate it whenever you said that. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, me too. But guess what? And they go, I know it is what it is. <laughs> that's amazing. My dad used to say that all the time. It is what it is. So, well, Yeah. But, but I think that that's a, just like, again, a piece of like my story that I kind of bring to this and, you know, I think it's important for us to acknowledge what we do kind of well or what we've been able to do. And the fact that we're still humans and like, you know, struggling, um, yeah. I don't know that even struggles the right word, but I guess just what's hard, what's the hard yeah. for you? Yeah. The hard for me is just finding my place now. I think, um, wearing a different hat as a mom. And so, and I, even if I would have had my own biological sibling again, um, which by the way, again, pregnancy, no go. God knew what he was doing, you know, with one, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give you one chance at this. So here you go. Um, but I, I do believe that this is something that is, um, an area of continued growth test struggle yeah Yeah, not even struggle struggle maybe is the right word but I could see that especially like I said with it being your stepdaughter and but yet you're you know she lives with you all full-time and so you're Mm -hmm. naturally in like that mom role of being the one that goes to the parent-teacher conference yeah and the one that's taking her to gymnastics or to dance or whatever she's doing and so then trying to find okay where do I fit in this mom group um I can Mm -hmm. see and just a difficult transition even like you know, I've kind of shifted too, and, you know, just starting to meet more moms that stay home. You naturally uh-huh. do. And uh-huh. again, I'm in this weird, like limbo of like, well, I had this career, but now I'm a stay at home mom. You know, it's just, it's, it's weird. Like the first couple of months, such a nerd. I found myself, it was like the first thing out of my mouth. It was like, well, but I was a school psychologist before this. Like I had to make it known. I was like, who cares? Congratulations. You had a career, but like, it was just weird. It was like, I didn't exactly know where I fit, but I mm-hmm. like, had to let people know that like I was something before this, like who cares, right. you know, nobody cares. That's the bottom line. That's um, funny. But it is, it's hard. Like my mom always said you would find, you know, she's like, you have different friend groups at different stages in life. Mm-hmm. 
kids start school and they start sports, you'll find a different group of friends. And not that you find different friends, but like people just kind of ebb and flow out of your life. And Mm -hmm. I've seen that just, you know, with my seven and four year old. Um, But for you, it's been such a gap. I mean, you've got like a 19 year old. So you've already had like one group of those Mm -hmm. kids that that he grew up with. You knew their parents. You yeah. might have been the youngest, but you still knew. I was you still rocking alcohol, but you were still hanging out with the baby. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and now you know you're midlife, and you've got this younger daughter. And so, like, where do you fall within that? Do you start all over? Do you, you know? Are these? Yeah. Do you fit in? I don't know. It's a weird transition. It is. And I appreciate you saying that. I think the hardest thing, well, one of the hardest things for me in this right now, and this is going to, most of the things I say are probably going to sound really shitty and I don't mean for them to, I just really feel like it's important to be like really genuine because I believe there's somebody else out here like this. Um, like all the, like the new stuff that, you know, kids do or like whatever they're graduating or kind of, I don't get like the mushies about that stuff. I'm like, hmm. great. <laughs> You know, yes, this is a typical normative behavior that's supposed to take place at this point in time. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm congratulatory. I'm appreciative. I'm reflective of it in the moment. But I mean, I'm still not that person that's going to get like all sentimental. No. Like missing. No. Yeah. no well, you ma'am. truly enjoy like every stage. And like I said, you, your son is phenomenal. Like you really can enjoy him at every stage because he is like right now he's he's a fun young adult to be around just the few times, you know, we've hung out. It's really, Mm -hmm. he's just a nice kid to hang out with. Mm -hmm. And so you can kind of appreciate him at every stage. And I don't know, maybe less for the days of your. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. And it's not that I I mean, even whenever he was a kid, my biggest thing for him, and and this is fair, I think also to to our daughter is I never wanted him to stay a kid. I was always like, I can't wait till you get big because the bigger you get, the more fun we're going to have. So I was never yeah. that parent that was like, Oh, they're just going to, you know, kind of stay I little. Wanna... No, I'm like, get them out of the stage. I'm going to uh, stay little mom. I'm like, I'm not. I tell my kids that all the time. Oh. I'm like, I don't know how. Oh. I've also oh. trained them to say, I'm like, how did you get so cute? They're like, you made me mom. Oh. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. All right, I'm gonna start doing that one. Something. I, I got to come up with something. But yeah, no, I'm like, let's get big and have fun, and I can't wait till like we can sit down and play cards, and we can go out to a bar, and I can buy you your first drink. So yeah, right. Probably not appropriate, but those are the things I'm looking forward to. <laughs> All the traveling. All the travels. Yeah. So let's so go. That- let's uh, let's work through the same activity that we did last week. Okay. Good deal. You, if you want to recap what that activity was, but I know I answered the questions, but I thought it'd be fun if we switched and I'll interview you this week. Oh boy. Okay. Great. Um, all right. So last week we kind of did what we just kind of termed the somethings. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of this was to really provide everybody with a tool that they can use daily, weekly with their bestie as we kind of do or with your partner, whoever it might be within your life. And again, it's to kind of teach you quick self-affirmation of some things that, again, she'll kind of ask me these questions, maybe you're proud of, you're happy about, you're looking forward to. It's also a way to kind of help out with that accountability factor. You know, we're all people in transitions or at points of growth. And so where, where are we at with that? Like, what are we still acknowledging as a place for us to kind of work 
through. Um, and I think it's really important uh, to be curious about things. And even like in my clinical practice, whenever a patient starts to say like that they're anxious about it, I'm like, I don't like the A word. Like I'll use any four letter curse word there is um, oftentimes in abundance and in very inappropriate situations. But like the A word for any time that somebody says that, like I just get like cringes. So I was like, how about we be curious about something instead? How about we, it's always about reframing um, some of those things. And so I know, I think I'm naturally just a curious person. So that might be a piece of that too. But what do we want to learn more about? Or what is something that we kind of want to support? And I think by verbalizing these things, um, it's kind of like that whole idea. It helps to speak things into existence. So, right. I mean, Manifest. right. That's what we're hoping anyways. Okay. So this week's weekly roundup of something, something last week that you are proud of. Yeah, geez. You would have thought I would have thought about these, right? Yeah. Guess what? Didn't. Shocking. Uh, shocking. Shocking. Um, I guess uh, something that I am proud of is that I've spent a lot of time trying to revisit things that I put down for a period of time. So for me, last week, I started picking up some of my, um, you know, I told you I was a yoga teacher dropout. So I started to pick up some of my old yoga teacher books and kind of read back through them and refresh myself with the sutras, the meanings of the practice and and try to really kind of connect with that greater piece of things. Um, I've been trying to pick up other books, I know, which is also kind of a shock. I'm actually dyslexic, so it's very hard for me to read. It's not a very enjoyable process. So um, but I've been willing to kind of, uh, stretch, I think in some areas that I have been pretty rigid in and I'm, uh, trying to pick back up some things that I put down for a bit. So I'm proud that I've been willing to allow myself to do that. Very good. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. I about that. All right. Something you're still growing in. Um, that one's easy. Uh, that's probably a long and exhausting list, but I would say for me, <laughs> it's about personal accountability. Uh, not that I don't do it. There I go. I'm not doing it right now, but um, I will generally provide a list of reasons why something has not occurred or I have not done something or I have done something instead of just saying, yeah, you know what? My bad. I screwed up on this one, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that that is something important for me to continue to do is have that kind of level of personal accountability. accountability. Yeah. Just in basic things. If I forgot to do something, instead of listing the 10,000 other things I did, just being like, you know what? I screwed up on that one. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I just forgot. Saw something. It's so funny you said that. Cause I literally just today saw something that said the happiest families are the ones who um, are good at taking accountability. The ones that are mm. good at saying, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Or I wish I would have done this differently. The ones that can, you know, just hold themselves accountable to model that in front of your children. I thought it's interesting. Yeah, I could definitely work on that one. Can't we all? all right, something, something you're interested in. Um, well, I am very interested in Ayurvedic medicine. Um, I it's this whole, break that down. Okay. Uh it is this whole Indian based belief practice that basically we can use nature, we can use ourselves to heal ourselves. And that doesn't forego traditional medicine. It can work in conjunction with it. But 
I just really believe more and more that the things that have been working for people for 2,000 to 3,000 years, we should probably reconsider reaching back into. And so um, like we've started to incorporate a lot of uh, anti-inflammatory ingredients into our like cooking. So a lot of cumin, a lot of turmeric. Mm-hmm. um types of things because i don't thank god mechanically i'm fine metabolically and electrically train wreck but i i don't get sore i don't have like arthritis or nothing like that but mm-hmm. i know that you know other people do and so we've been trying to incorporate those types of things into our life and so really diving more into more um naturalistic ways of wellness is something that i've been really exploring more frequently I didn't know the fancy name for it, but I totally subscribe to that. I, you know, I love a good diet. I love it to try different diets, but the the best one that I have done is a plant focused diet, Uh but it was also about adding in um, like turmeric every day, flaxseed, just specifically for your body, for gut health. And I really subscribe to that whole gut health and how my body connection, all of it, I think, um, there's a lot of truth to that. So very uh-huh. interested in that as well. Something that you love and want to support? Um, local farms. That one's yes. easy. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I think I even mentioned that kind of before or, or was thinking about it. Like, I just think that our local farming community is so important. And uh, we have some good friends that we both share that we didn't know we even yeah. shared um, that have this really cool organic farm nearby. And whether it is shopping at like farmers markets in your local area or going to those farm to table restaurants that really work hard on sourcing local foods from farmers. in, I just think that that is a, the healthiest way to eat and food really is the best medicine that we can kind of put within our body. Um, But I really just, the cornerstone of American culture is our farming culture in so many ways and anything that we can kind of do to support them. I'm a hundred percent like behind. I try to buy it that way as much as what I can living in West Virginia, we ain't got much farmland. So what little bit we got, you know, our farmers are shocking. Right. Oh. You know, not so long ago, there were plenty of farm, like real farmers. It's still yeah. farming. But you're yeah. right. It has dwindled. It has. And, and so any way that I can try to do to support that is something I really I'm behind right now. So shout out to what is it? Elmcrest farm. Yeah. Elmcrest but, farm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 12 pole. 12 pole training posts. These are out Wayne, West yeah. Virginia. <laughs> if you're in the neck of that neck of the woods, try yeah. it out. You, you definitely won't regret got. it. It's a bit of a drive, but the drive is even worth it from a, a whole other different perspective. But yes, absolutely. And if you have ones that you want to share with our um, other listeners or that you want to share with us, because as we travel around and things like that, let us know on our website. Especially Love to different. shout out the farms, local yep. farming. Definitely. All right. Last one. Something you're looking forward to. Gosh, I'm looking forward to this podcast too. Yeah, I love it. Answer. Yes, I know. Same answer, but I do thoroughly enjoy every aspect of it. The creativity that it kind of promotes. And, you know, honestly, um, this weekend I was cleaning out the attic. I think, as I told you that, yeah, like the upstairs dungeon. And um, I came across like all of my psych references that I, for whatever reason, thought it was important to have. Yeah. And it probably was at some point in time, but I graduated over 15 years ago. So it's like, what is, right. what is this? Um, so I trashed it all, which is very <laughs> liberating, except a few things, which I'm going to 
you know, kind of retouch and come back and use in this podcast because I feel like they're very valuable, practical tools. And so um, I'm excited to incorporate those into this podcast and moving forward. Very so. cool. I'm excited to hear about some of it. I actually was in my old office today um, having lunch with some students and I had left. It looks like like exactly how I did when I walked out in June. They've got um, five, like five different sites covering, but I was mm. uh, looking at some of the books I left and I went over and I was like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll want these. And I like opened the first one. And I was like, no, uh, <laughs> no, I don't. I'm just, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to reopen the textbook. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I'm excited to delve into some more of this in the weeks to come. I think next week, mm -hmm. um, you can look forward to imposter syndrome. We're going to touch on that because I think that's something we both just mm -hmm. felt would be interesting to our listeners, but also interesting to us. And that's mm -hmm. what, what we're after. Um, so yeah, you can look forward to that next week. Mm -hmm. We also have, we have some great topics in the mm -hmm. hopper. So uh, I don't want to give too much away, but definitely um, we've got some good stuff coming up. So you can find us in the meantime on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram at mm -hmm. the Lilas podcast. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So check us out and uh, hopefully we'll get that website up and running soon. We'll share that as soon as we do. Yep. It is also going to be the lilaspodcast.com, but mm -hmm. it's not quite ready yet. So don't check it out yet but soon it will be up and running and mm -hmm. have tons of resources and our bios on there. Um, all of our episodes, you'll be able to check out mm -hmm. everything on our website. Yep. Yeah, leaving comments. We'll have that on there too. Right. right. People could chat interaction. It'll be very open. Be sure to get on our YouTube site and subscribe. So that way you can stay up to date on everything we got going on. We might even do some fun little shorts some fun That's little right. maybe a q and a i don't know let's get crazy right right who knows, who knows? <laughs> we'll get the wiggles about it That's right. So, all right all right until next time lilas all right peace out thanks guys